Welcome back, Plankton lovers, to another episode of Actually, It's Phytoplankton, the podcast series about ocean ecology and NASA's PACE mission. This is our fourth episode, and get ready to geek out, because today it's all about the science. We've heard all the big picture stuff, we've talked to NASA bigwigs Paula and Jeremy, and we know that PACE is an Earth mission, one of many actually, and how important it is. We've even built our own model satellite with some tips from PACE mission systems engineer Gary and PACE project manager Andre. Now, let us talk to some boots on the ground scientists. Today, I'm wondering, what is the science behind studying the oceans and atmospheres with PACE? Before we get started, go to our episode four resource pack at gotocurious.com to follow along with some visual explanations of our discussion. This week, you also need to do the at-home activity while listening to the podcast. It starts off like a bingo card, so circle the science words that you hear Ivana and Amir use. Now pause and go print your card. So I just said Ivana and Amir. Remember Ivana from the Wheel of Plankton game in episode one? She's really an authority on all things oceanography, so she's back to talk science. Welcome back, Dr. Ivana Sentinich. Happy to be back, and you're setting very high expectations there. And I've also asked an atmosphere guru to join us because, well, if you're looking at the Earth's oceans from space, you got to look through some atmosphere, right? So welcome to Dr. Amir Ibrahim, Cloudmaster. Is that okay? Can I call you Cloudmaster, Amir? No. <laughs> what? What about Atmosphere Man? Still no. Oh, well, I guess that has soured the atmosphere. No one? Okay. All right, friends, no more bad jokes. Before we get into science questions, answer me this. What did you both want to be when you were 13? Ivana, you go first. I wanted to be an astronomer. Um, Actually, I wanted to be an astronaut before that one, but then around the time that I was 13, I realized creation doesn't have a space program. So I switched to astronomy. Okay, because Ivana's from Croatia, if anybody was wondering. And Amir, what did you want to be when you were 13? Uh, actually, I wanted to be a football player or a soccer oh. player in America. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> and so what are your jobs now? What do you do at NASA? Um, so I work as a research scientist uh, developing uh, algorithms, mainly to extract uh, information about the Earth uh, from satellite images. And currently, um, I work with uh, Ivona on uh, developing state-of-the-art algorithms for NASA's um, PACE state-of-the-art sensors. On my side, I'm an oceanographer uh, first, and yes, I work with Amir and the rest of the PACE team to um, kind of see ocean from space in a better way. I myself am interested in that because I'm really, really into phytoplankton, the teeny tiny algaes, and I really want to understand better how they modify the way the carbon flows in the ocean. And I like satellites, I like autonomous vehicles, I like all the technology that we can use to study that. Okay. It's time for some ultra-serious science questions. For scientists folks like yourselves, what is PACE going to be useful for? Yeah, I'll go first. So um, as I said previously, I love phytoplankton, and I'm really interested in diversity of the phytoplankton. So similar to plants of land, you know, phytoplankton comes in many different shapes and sizes. So to, to help you understand why is that important, I'll give you a land metaphor. So imagine that you're like a cattle rancher and you have a cow, and it makes a big difference if you're going to put that cow in a meadow or in a forest, and forest cows will not have anything to eat. So currently what we see from sky, from this atmosphere, I'm sorry, from the satellites, is we pretty much see green. We can't recognize if it's a meadow or is it a forest. 
it makes a big difference if you're a fisherman. Now you're not going to go look for the cows in the forest. You want to go look for the cows in the meadow of the ocean. In a similar way, that has an impact on carbon cycle. Um, if you're a coastal manager, do you want to close the beaches? Um, and so on and so on. So it's pretty much oceanic diversity that I'm interested in. Well, on the top of what Ivana said, uh, we're also uh, want to understand the uh, optical properties about the aerosols, which are these small suspended particles in the air. And we also want to learn things about the clouds. Aerosols and clouds basically affect the climate and pace will help us to quantify this impact. You guys know this already, but maybe our listeners don't. I, too, am a doctor. I have a PhD. I've written a doctoral thesis. And I know that you start any research project with a question. No matter what you're working on, is it science or arts like me, you always lead with a question. And if you're a school kid writing an essay, the same rules apply. So what kind of questions are you hoping to address with PACE? We want to uh, learn about the the long-term changes in the aerosol and cloud properties uh, another thing we, um, the question we want to ask is how well can we quantify the accuracy of this new information that we're trying to extract, which is really important for uh, climate models. And since we are an uh, ocean atmosphere mission, we also want to learn uh, how the aerosols in the atmosphere affect the ocean and vice versa, how particles in the ocean actually affects the atmosphere. Yeah, and, and from the oceanic side, you know, kind of similar idea, what is the concentration? So you know, how many of these little phytoplankton and other things are in the ocean? And how do they impact the oceanic, you know, ecosystems? Um, and how are these, all these things in the ocean changing? And as Amir said, you know, atmosphere and earth are part of the earth system. So like how these changes together are influencing the earth system and how is the earth system responding to the climate change that we are observing today? So in today's episode, I've collectively referred to you both as Captain Planet. Do you guys know that show, Captain Planet and the Planeteers? No, not really. No? I I heard of Wiggles. The Wiggles. (laughs) This is an American TV show, you guys. The Wiggles. It's like you're from Australia. I heard the Wiggles. (laughs) Anytime. No, this was an American TV show. It was on in the 90s. We had it here in Australia. So listeners, you should pause now. Ask your parents about... Captain Planet and the Planeteers because uh, it was a much-loved after-school cartoon. So the show was on ABC Kids here, but I believe that for you guys it was on TBS in America. And it was a show a little ahead of its time, I guess, because it was essentially about human influence on a changing climate. And the antagonist characters had these unforgettable pun names like Luton Plunder and Duke Nukem and a high-profile cast including Whoopi Goldberg, Jeff Goldblum, Tim Curry and Meg Ryan. Anyway, Captain Planet immediately came to mind when I was thinking of writing an interview for you guys because I know that your work is centered around Earth system science. So what is that? Okay, first in my response, my name should be Purple Scream at Them because I have purple hair and I scream at lots of people. Why are you an antagonist? (laughs) I'm I'm not an antagonist. I'm a protagonist. I scream at them. Pro. Okay, just for the record, the protagonists were called Planeteers and they had rings that had all the elements like fire and wind and water and they used those to fight loot and plunder and such. And then they would, um, when they couldn't do it, they would call Captain Planet to help them. So was anybody kind of being capable of controlling water and fire at the same time or just like a single element? Yeah, each 
um, character had a single element that they had these powerful, they had these rings and they would like shoot the elements out of their rings. <laughs> well, okay. So, <laughs> so, so, so that's, kind of, that's a kind of good intro because you asked me about their system science. So if you uh-huh. think about all these rings, now you have like what you had water, you had fire, you had air, you had, what, what was the last one? You had uh, fire, earth? water, earth. Okay. Earth. So, okay. And also that. hot. Heart. Hot, okay, heart, which heart, heart okay. couldn't do anything. I, I, I can get heart in there too. So, <laughs> if you think about Earth, now you have oceans, you have ice, you have land, you have air, you kind of have fire too. But you have all these different things that make Earth, and each of these are systems by themselves. However, as Amir and I already said, I'm probably going to repeat it many times. All these things are interconnected. So, people who study Earth system science or Earth system science is a science discipline that kind of looks at interactions. So, kind of like how do these different systems talk to each other? So, if you have these protagonists, you know, you would have somebody who's studying interaction between all these members of your Captain Planet team and kind of like how do these interact by each other? So, that's why I asked, like, you know, does anybody have probably Captain Planet had everything? He's probably the Earth, true Earth system sciences. But in a sense, each of us who study Earth system science cannot just focus on one thing. You know, oceans do not exist in a vacuum. They're surrounded by land. They're surrounded by atmosphere. And all these things interact. The same with the ice. You know, oceans interact with ice. And ice interacts with oceans. So that's Earth system science. Okay. Can I sing the theme song? Please. Because you guys don't know. It goes like this. Captain Planet, he's a hero. Gonna take pollution down to zero. He's our powers magnified. And he's fighting on the planet side. Okay. Okay. No, no, that, no, was no. Good. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I can't believe you've never seen the show. Oh, I, I got lucky, and I both it. loved it. I will find yeah. it, and I have to watch it. it. Look, you know, I did not grow up in America. That's my excuse. So, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did not either. <laughs> no excuse. We had BBC um, shows in, in Croatia. Yeah. So, Mia, from a previous episode, we know that an aerosol is a tiny particle of stuff in the air. And that aerosol is the A in pace. In Australia, we can have some serious dust storms. And we just had an extreme bushfire season with really a lot of smoke. So that puts a lot of aerosols in the air, right? Yes, it does. Um, There are a lot of different types of uh, aerosols in the atmosphere. And of course, uh, dust is uh, a main source of aerosols that mainly comes from deserts uh, picked up uh, by wind. Uh, such as actually the massive dust cloud that's traveling from Africa uh, nowadays over the Atlantic Ocean. It's coming towards the America. It's really these massive events uh, happens almost on a yearly basis. Uh, same things goes with uh, things like uh, smoke particles. Uh, that happens mainly because of uh, biomass burning. Massive events also happens uh, near the west coast of Africa. And we actually can see all these huge signatures uh, from satellite images. We can see these huge dust plumes traveling across the oceans over thousands, thousands of kilometers. And that's really important for PACE to understand how these massive dust and smoke events happen and uh, what are the sources of it and uh, understand uh, the optical properties of these dust and how they affect the climate, the dust and the smoke. Okay, so dust and smoke, there are two types of aerosols. Are there any other types that you could tell us about? And how do they affect our daily lives? Yes, uh, there are uh, other types of aerosols. Uh, There is also the sea salt, which is a type of aerosols that exist mostly over the ocean. It uh, comes Mm -hmm. from uh, sea spray. 
there's also soot uh, that comes from uh, burning fossil fuel. It comes out of uh, car exhausts or factories. Aerosol affects us in many ways. For example, soot can affect our health if we breathe it. Uh, same thing goes with dust. Plus, you don't want to miss that blue sky, do you? No, not really. <laughs> we definitely got messed with this year in our bushfire season. It was so smoky for months. It was really horrible. That's cool to know about the, the sea salt in the air because um, I live at the beach and we have really big surf sometimes and we always say, oh, I can smell the salt in the air. So that's actually aerosols in the air that we're breathing, right? Yes. That's awesome. It makes me feel very relaxed when there's when there's um, sea salt in the air. <laughs> you can breathe sea salt, but you don't want to breathe, breathe soot. No, I don't want to breathe that, no. So, but what about clouds? That's the sea in Pace. What's their deal? Well, actually, I'm not an expert on clouds, but... What? I called you cloud master. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you said no. <laughs> I'm not a cloud master. <laughs> not a cloud master. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, definitely, we, we work as a team, and we have a really great team of uh, cloud masters and aerosol masters and uh, ocean masters like Ivona. So we have a, a interdisciplinary team that allows us to really look at the science uh, from different perspectives. But regarding back to the clouds, I mean, like, uh, think about it. If you look at the Earth from space, it's all covered in clouds, maybe except for certain regions like deserts. So clouds are actually a major part of our Earth system, and it's important for us to know how clouds form, for example, or how they interact with aerosols. Long term, do we know much about how aerosols and clouds are changing in the atmosphere? And what role will PACE play in helping find out more? Uh, like I said before, our knowledge uh, about how aerosols af affect our climate is uncertain. Uh, so we need to understand the long-term changes in the aerosol types such as how much polluting aerosols affecting the radiation balance as compared to the pre-industrial time until now. Are you still there, Ivana? I am. I'm just thinking that I wish that I had bingo card to circle those <laughs> words that Amir is saying. So. Oh, yeah. Don't forget about your bingo card, folks. Okay, I'm sorry to ignore you, Ivana, but this one is for both of you. What do aerosols and clouds have to do with the P and E of PACE? That's the phytoplankton and the ocean ecosystems. Go for it. Um, this phytoplankton that I mentioned before, um, they actually help with cloud formation, um, in a sense, through, through aerosols. So the sea spray um, that Amir um, was mentioning, sometimes the sea spray has some organic material, which is pretty much an ooze produced by the phytoplankton. And that sea spray can form the clouds the same way Phytoplankton can produce certain type of gases that are also known to form the clouds. And then, you know, these clouds, they're not going to, now if they're formed, they're going to stop the light coming to the ocean and phytoplankton needs light. So you have the circle there. But also if you think about other types of aerosols, um, that um, dust storm that Amir was mentioning, with that dust, what you get is, um, what you get carried into the ocean is this large amount of iron. And iron is important fertilizer when it comes to the plants. They really need iron. So all these aerosols, as they travel across, let's say, Atlantic or like offshore Australia, they will carry some iron with them, fall into the water and become available for phytoplankton. The same way as like the things in your garden will grow if you dump lots of fertilizer, then they will start growing and then, um, you know, maybe produce more gases and more droplets. So it's all connected. It's all, all connected. Ivana, as you know, in Australia, it can really rain. And I mean, really torrential downpour for weeks everything floods and you lose all the meat in your chest freezer because the power went out for days because that's that's the kind of rain we have 
And I'm not kidding. That happened to my brother-in-law when Brisbane flooded. Uh, he lost all his meat. So presumably the rain, it has to go somewhere, which is into the ocean. Uh, what happens to life on the coasts when floodwater pours into the ocean? It's a fantastic question. So coastal ocean is pretty much the wildest part of the ocean from my perspective because it's in this magical boundary between like land, sea, and the atmosphere now. So you have so many different things and attacking the teeny tiny bit of oceanic area. So let's think about your river plume. So, so you have this plume of water, we call it like anything that kind of kind of floats in there, we call it plume. So this large amount of fresh water coming to the ocean. So first thing that's going to bring is those nutrients now. And that's going to feed the phytoplankton. They're going to say, yum, yum, food, and start growing like crazy. But then what comes with that river is all that mud now. And that mud is actually going to make water pretty dark and muddy. And so the light is not going to come there. So phytoplankton cannot grow. So, you know, one of these two things can happen and one two things can win. Third thing can happen that um, sometimes some types of phytoplankton can kind of float like freshwater phytoplankton can float in the ocean and sometimes cause really, really bad events like harmful algal bloom. I actually have an intern working that this summer. So there's many different scenarios that can happen. And that's why we really, really are interested in this interaction of land and ocean that we're going to be able to see from space with pace. All right. Well, let me hit you with a hypothetical scenario. All the coccolithophores, did I say that right? Coccolithophores? Yes, you did. Yes! We trained you well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and coccolithophores include Emiliana huxleyi, which we talked about in episode one. And it's in your little color wheel thingy. Yes. So let's just say all the coccolithophores disappear from the ocean due to a drastic environmental change. What does that mean for the ecosystem? Yeah, that, that would be that would be a hypothetically big problem. So as I said before, phytoplankton is really important. And it has a strong connection with the carbon, with the climate cycle, because phytoplankton, similar to the plants and land, takes down carbon dioxide. This carbon dioxide gets, let's say, melted into the ocean, and, and they start taking it up now and form organic carbon that then feeds the rest of the majority of the food web in the ocean. When this phytoplankton dies, it sinks kind of down through the water column as leaves coming from the trees and takes this carbon far away from the atmosphere. So that's good. We want that. It controls the climate. It controls the amount of CO2 in our atmosphere. Coccolithophores do it double. They do that to conversion to um, to organic carbon, but also they have this. I think if you listen to the to the podcast, I think I was mumbling about that on the first podcast. And they have these like shells made of the calcium carbonate, which is pretty much chalk. So they double up the amount of carbon they will take with them as they die and sink out of the ocean. So they're like a double climate fighters. And if they disappear, there will be a big disturbance in a force when it comes to the flow, flow of carbon from the atmosphere into the ocean, then to the deep ocean. I really now feel like Emiliania Huxley, I should have been a Captain Planet character. It should have. <laughs> should have. Yeah. I mean, the name, the name is there now. Right. It's an easy one. Yeah, exactly. Is it just phytoplankton's influence on the Earth system that you're interested in, or are there other things too? Well, I mean, when it comes to pace and work that I'm doing on pace, I mean, phytoplankton is the majority of my focus. But, you know, then I'm always interested in this human interaction, you know. How do we as humans, you know, what is our footprint? What is our role in modifying all these processes? You know, it would be great if we had like a parallel earth where we can see how everything is happening without Earth, without us humans. And then we have this earth where we see you know the destruction that that we bring as humans so i'm really interested in seeing this interaction between all these oceanic processes so the flow of the carbon diversity of the of the oceanic phytoplankton and this human impact on it um you know and ultimately how does ocean impact the humans you know so the health 
welfare, um, you know, different services and things like that. And what role will PACE play in helping you better understand these phytoplankton blooms and other organisms in the ocean ecosystem? I mean, um, I think I said it before, I'm really interested in diversity, seeing this like difference between the jungle and forest and, and meadow. We're in a sense, partially blind now, you know, we can see only, like, we can just see only a couple of colors, almost that we can see black and white. We know there's phytoplankton, there's no phytoplankton, and diversity is so big. And each of these little things evolved in such a way that they, they operate in a very specific way and have a very specific role that they play in ocean ecosystem. So Pace bringing along this, like, you know, rainbow colors will allow us to see the rainbow phytoplankton in the ocean, better understand the, the functionality of the ecosystem, just how does the ocean work. Awesome. Um, Jeremy described to us in episode two about the uh, pace is the 64 pack of crayons, where at the moment you only have the seven pack of crayons or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that that's that's a great metaphor. Like, you know, it's just like, well, you can do like, you know, colorblind and you put those like magic glasses that promise the... <laughs> Um, to do stuff you know in a sense for me it's almost like you know being you know from black and white switch to color tv you know like okay great all right good chat everyone thank you amir and thank you ivana i think folks listening at home will now have such a clearer understanding of the science behind pace and i have just one more question and this really is for amir because ivana's already answered this but star wars or star trek star trek ah wait (laughs) i have a question which one Oh, <laughs> Captain Picard. Oh, next generation. Okay, we're good. <laughs> we're good. We're friends. We can still collaborate on important science stuff. Okay. <laughs> um. All right, listeners at home, did you collect all the science words on your bingo card? Here's Lachlan to tell you what to do next. How awesome to hear about some of the science behind Pace from Amir and Ivona today. Thanks, guys. Part of my job working on PACE is to write computer code to process the data that PACE and other satellites send back to Earth. When the raw data is beamed from a satellite, it's encoded into little packets and we have to decode this information into something useful. As a bonus activity today, can you decode the secret message hidden inside the bingo card? Good luck. Share it with us on Facebook to let us know how you went. Right. That's all for today. Plus, we have another two Go to Curious Science packs to give away. So check out our Facebook for details of how to enter. In the next episode, Ivana co-hosts with me and we're talking to the Dream Team. That is, scientists who do field studies on research vessels and culturing phytoplankton in the lab. Our guests will be Amy Neely and Ryan Vandermeulen, who I have to say have incredibly adventurous jobs, really, really exciting jobs. We'll see you next time. Actually, It's Phytoplankton is a Go to Curious production proudly supported by an advanced Queensland Engaging Science grant provided by the Queensland Government. Thank you to NASA Goddard Space Flight Centre Ocean Ecology Laboratory for collaborating with us, providing in-kind support and credited use of education and outreach resources. Special thanks to Ivana Setinich and Lachlan McKinna who work with me behind the scenes in the writing and preparation of the series. Our theme song and all podcast music is composed by me, Jamie Cool. I also edit the series and create the supporting materials on our website, gotocurious.com, in collaboration with Ivana and Lachlan. Logos, website and social banners designed by Boone Creative. Our custom podcast t-shirts and totes are made especially for kids by Zay and B Designs. <laughs>